Welcome to The Link. We'll go behind the scenes with local businesses and community leaders, learning their mindset and motivations that make them successful. We'll link you with those making an impact in central Minnesota. Welcome to The Link and our Central Minnesota podcast where we interview local leaders, business people, nonprofits, and today I am excited to have a little bit of a local celebrity, Dan Oxner, the Ox from KNSI Radio. Welcome. Brandon, great to be here. Thank you. Yes. When I first had this crazy idea, I think last fall, I reached out to you, kind of thinking of doing a podcast. Uh, I'm sorry I let that roll into voicemail, by the way. I should have snatched up that call right away. Just kidding. No, but I was looking for someone to do an intro. So the voice you would have just heard would have been the Ox's voice rolling us into this interview. Um, and you were gracious enough. I said, hey, can I hire you? And you said, no, absolutely not. I'll do it kind of pro bono. So I really appreciate your willingness to participate. And thank you for doing that. It's great. Well, it's our pleasure. Like I think I told you, the last couple guys that I charged never invited me back. So I just want to be welcome. <laughs> absolutely. Glad to do it. Absolutely. I was kind of thinking of who is a recognizable, distinctive voice, kind of the James Earl Jones of central Minnesota. This is the Ox. There you go. And right. without a doubt, your name was top of the list. So <laughs> oh, thanks. cool. Thank you. I want to give you a quick thank you for that. So yeah, thanks for that. Um, thanks for joining us on this, what is it, 17, 16 below day here in mid-February, day before Valentine's Day. And it's a little, I'm not sure what the word is. I obviously pedal real estate for a living. And now I'm interviewing someone who what you do for a living is interview people. So it's a little, I love it. A little backwards. So you're going to have to give me some pointers. I know I say, um, ah, uh, and stutter a lot. And so I just, uh, want to make sure that I'm learning from the best. Well, uh, <laughs> you're looking at the wrong guy then for that, but, uh, you know, it's funny, the um and eyeing and all that yeah. stuff in talk radio, we kind of do that. And I probably do that more than most talk show hosts do really? too, just because I've really adopted this conversational style and people talk that way. Yep. Uh, if I talk to, you know, if you don't do any of that stuff, if you just have this, you know, like you're doing a Ted talk the whole time, sure. Uh, kind of off putting to people. So I, whether that's a strategy or just what I've fallen into, what, I wouldn't worry about the ums and ahs. Let's put it that way. What right? would be just kind of getting off topic. What would be your two or three tips of interviewing both technically voice and uh, conversational storytelling topics because oh. your interviews are so encapsulating. What's kind of your, what have you learned over the years? Yeah, well, if I can, I'll, I'll try to answer that question and try to make it interesting. And that's really the two, the two things that I do. One is I listen. Yep. I'm a listener and I went into this business. Um, I was a broadcaster. I was a DJ. Okay. Right. And then I became a talk show host essentially or a news guy started and then I had a, a short talk show as a sure. news person, and then three years later, just became a full talk show host. Sure. And I didn't know anything, right? I uh, I really didn't know that much. I didn't know anything about city council, school boards, whatever. So when I've got the school superintendent on, or the mayor, or the or the governor, right, or right. the representatives, I really didn't know much about it. Yeah. So I had to listen because yeah. I had no idea what follow up questions to ask. They come into the studio. We start talking about the meeting last night. And if, if I'm not carefully listening to what they're saying so I can pick something up that I can then expound upon, so, I'm lost because I have so, no idea what questions to ask. That's really kind of how it happens. So you don't have a preset agenda of questions. You're listening to what are the intuitive follow-up questions. Generally speaking, yeah. 
you know, if obviously if there was a meeting or if there's some issues that we're talking to a senator or a politician about, yeah. then yeah, you kind of know the general questions. But it's the stuff that they say, that, that my guests say, that if you're paying attention, requiring a follow-up question then, yeah. rather than just going through a bullet point, if I got seven questions, so a lot of guys right have their, their you know yeah. six or seven questions or it's three script, or whatever. It's scripted, it is. Then. Well, scripted, but more just like I gotta ask this question, this question, this question. Yep. And if your guest is onto something that's really intriguing, forget those questions, right? right. Let's have the conversation about what you're saying. Because yep. the best thing that I can do is make somebody feel comfortable right. so that they say stuff that you're not reading in the papers, that you're not hearing anywhere else. And Let you get their to know guard the, down a little right? bit. Right. You get to know the person. And you get to know more in depth of you know where they're coming from on the issues and the questions that you're asking anyway by doing that. Sure. So listening is the big thing. And then back in broadcasting school, yes, I'm one of the few people still around that actually went to broadcasting school. They don't exist anymore. Where did you go to school? Brown. Brown okay. Institute. Yeah, yep. back in the day. That's where all many broadcasters from all over the country all came yeah. to Minneapolis to go to Brown. Is and Brown I was living no in longer? Phoenix at the time when I came to go to Brown. Brown no longer? No. Yeah, they were one of the first... Um, industries are the first educational institutions that everybody realized we were paying way more money to go to it than was ever going to pay us in like 10 years on the job. So, you know, Minnesota School of Business, Globe College, right, kind of went down that road just for a couple of their programs, but it ended sure. up taking them all down. Brown was one of the first, uh, the broadcast school industry was one of the first industries to realize you don't need, a, you don't need an education for this. So, yeah, but I did go to Brown and my one of my instructors, it was good education. Yep. But, you know, one of my instructors uh, would reach forward. We had cassettes at that time. Sure. So he's air checking me. Right? <laughs> yep. And so we'd sit down with the instructor one on one and he'd yep. play your your fake show that you did or your, you know, your yep. show. Yep. He'd do a show every day and then he'd listen to it and critique it. And he'd reach for the stop button and then he would pull himself back. And then he'd reach for the stop button, pull himself back. And I finally asked him, like, what are you doing? He's like, well, as I'm listening to you, I begin to not get interested. And so I'm reaching for the stop button and you're bringing me back about every 30 seconds, maybe 20 seconds. He goes, so as I'm reaching for the stop button, you say something. And so I pull back and now I got another 20 seconds. So I always think about the audience. Interesting. In, I always think of the audience as that instructor reaching for the stop button or in our case, the go to the next station button. Yep. And mm -hmm. I think about, so about every 20 seconds, I try to do something, an inflection or whatever it is. That, that snaps people In 20 back. to 30 second increments, always kind of, capturing yeah. attention and not losing the attention in those. Yeah. And I do that by listening because I'm trying to think of what is this person saying that I'm talking to or I listen to myself. Yep. What am I saying? Right. Yep. Is this boring? If it's boring, 20 seconds later, I'll do something. Yep. And so that can be tricky because you almost, sometimes I suppose if people get off on a tangent and you're hitting the stop button, how do you gracefully interrupt them or bring them back. And so that's an art form. I can imagine that takes yeah. experience. It's yeah. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just have to let the guest go yeah. and there's not much you can do. Uh, yep. But then you remind the listeners how important that guest is, who they are, what their title is and what they're talking about. So hopefully that keeps them. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So you'd mentioned Phoenix. Are you, where are you from originally? I'm a Fargo, North, North Dakota. Dakota, North Fargo, Born and raised, sure. but I was born about, you know, like three blocks from the Red River. Uh, so basically a Minnesota guy. Gotcha. Grew up uh, about eight blocks or six blocks from the river. Um, and we always had a lake place in Detroit Lakes. Yep. So spent all my summers in Minnesota, a lot of time in Moorhead, obviously. So really Minnesota, North Dakota border. Uh, but then, yeah, moved to, moved to the U of M right out of high school. What and, was the uh, Ox like as a kid, 10, 12-year-old boy? Sports, big outdoors 
yeah. kid fishing, hunting? What did you like to do growing up? I did a lot of everything. I played a bunch of sports. I always played on championship teams. This is the weird thing, right, Brandon? Okay, <laughs> yep. basketball. I quit basketball in sixth grade. Yep. But in sixth grade, we won the, 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 the citywide championship, right? I was terrible. I think I made two baskets <laughs> in three years of sure. playing basketball. Sure. Seriously. And my baseball team always won. We won the city, uh, my t-ball team, baseball team, right? All the way up until uh, second year Babe Ruth, where you actually have to try out and get picked. You can't just sign up. Sure. So that was it for my baseball career. Uh, <laughs> I played one year of hockey. I couldn't really skate very well. couldn't stick handle. I think I had the puck twice all season. Our team won the championship that year. So I've got a lot of trophies. Uh, <laughs> but I was terrible at sports. And sure. why I bothered doing it, I don't know. And then once I once I got out of all that and kind of in late junior high, I got my driver's license and a motorcycle. And yep. I just became freedom. I just became the freedom guy. Yep. Gotcha. A lot of frisbee in the park, a lot of water skiing, that kind of thing. But I was a pretty good student, so my parents let me get away with it. Yeah. So then after high school, what yeah. Your, where'd you go from there? I tried to do a business. I always had a, a thought that I would be a businessman. So yeah. I went to a business uh, program at uh, the U of M, Minneapolis. Sure. Uh, and I, this is kind of a cool story. This is a little, in, this is a great. Let's hear it. This is a great insider thing of, of, of where the ox really changed. I was not the ox, by the way. I mean, I was about 120 pounds, string bean. Uh, not that I'm husky now. When did you get the ox, Nick? Did you was that well, well that's a radio thing or oh yeah, total radio. It wasn't a high no, school, junior high kids call all. you ox. No. Dan O. Dan O was your nickname. Yeah. Yep. That's just the way it was. Dan O, right? Yep. Dan O, then Dan O, Dan Oxner, Dan yep. O, it all fit. Okay. Y five O was big, you know, at that sure, time. That sure. Sort of so yeah, business school. It was yeah. So I'm at the U of M. It's the middle of the winter. I just gotten off the phone with some buddies of mine who just moved to Arizona. They're talking, oh, I got palm trees in the backyard. It's great. We're going down to the pool right now. You know? Is this early 90s, mid 90s? This would have been uh, 1985. Mid 80s, okay. Yep. And I'm, and I'm walking to class and I was on the West Bank. So I had to walk across the Washington Avenue Bridge, yep. which at that time was not fully enclosed. It was always windy, that cold, that cold river. And oh, it was awful. Yep. So I'm walking down the hill to go across the bridge and I slip and fall and I slide down the slush into the street oh, and my no. books come tumbling down into the berm and, and they're in the slush and I stood up and my back was all soaked with slushy wow. water. My books were all in the, in the berm. And I said to myself, that's it. When I come back from class, I'm calling my buddies in Arizona and saying, Hey man, I'm going to come move in with you. Guys. So it was a uh, instantaneous, just like I've that. had enough. Never even thought about it. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just had it. Never liked winter. Yep. So five years, five years in Phoenix, and uh, then back to broadcasting school in Minneapolis. Gotcha. So been here ever since. What'd you do? In, go to school in Phoenix, or just? Yeah, ASU. Went to try to go to ASU. Went to a yep. couple of community colleges. Bartended, yep. waited tables, that whole thing. Like it? Love it? Or it was good. The, the summers get a little oppressive. Yeah. And the winters aren't hot enough. Yeah. It's not. You know, they're. It's you're not by the pool in December and January. Is it almost uh, as if you say the summers get oppressive? Is it like? The reverse here where when it's this cold, we stay inside. Is it almost that way when it's that warm? Everyone stays inside and doesn't go out and do anything? Is it yeah. that? Nighttime's pretty good, right? Yeah. The evenings are really cool. Early mornings are great. Yep. Uh, but yeah, once once you get around 9 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock at night, it's just you just don't want to go outside. Yeah. But it doesn't change. Yeah. The thing is here, okay, today's what? 17 below. Saturday, yep. it's going to be 33 above. Right. right. You never know what it's going to be here. Right. Granted, it doesn't get hot. But you've got a very a wide variety of, uh, of temperature in Phoenix in the summertime. Once you hit late April, early May, yep. it's 105 plus every single day until October or yep. October, as I say. <laughs> but so there's, there's no fluctuation. So that's kind of every time you wake up, you just know the day. And that yep. gets a little old after yep. a while. 
So you come back to Minneapolis, St. Paul, go to Brown yep. right away. Yep. And say came back for Brown. So for Brown. Yep. So you identified I want to get I want to do this radio thing. Is never that... been to a radio station, didn't know anybody in radio, just wanted to be in radio. So I had no other option. Was that kind of a you you mentioned that instantaneous light bulb I'm moving to Phoenix. Was it just kind of was it always in the back of your mind or was it yeah. Hey, I'm going to do this radio. No, it was always in the back of my mind. I yeah. couldn't stand it. I, I needed the attention. I just, I was a yeah. glutton for attention. Uh, whatever it was, I just needed the attention. I'm, I think I'm good now, yeah. right? Yep. All these years later, but man, I needed it then. Desperately. I hated being anonymous. So it was, I think, a little bit of that self-awareness to say, this is how I'm wired. Yeah. I tried to fight it for years, trying to yeah. go to business college, you know, trying to be trying to, Mr. Businessman, yeah. pictured myself carrying a briefcase and yeah. like Bob Newhart, you know, maybe, yeah. though he was a psychologist, but yeah. getting on the train and going to the office and, yeah. and my, uh, I just couldn't make it happen. So yeah. 25, it was time to just uh, give in and uh, be a broadcaster. Interesting. Interesting. So first job, you mentioned music DJ or radio station, yep. where did you land your first job? Fergus Falls. Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Yep, KBRF, KBARF in Fergus <laughs> Falls, Minnesota. Uh, and it was kind of cool because the program director there that hired me, she was the chick that I listened to in Fargo on Q98 growing so up. Really? Like, wow. Like, yeah, she yep. was the hot DJ. Barbara Ann was her name, yeah. you know. Wow, I get to call Barbara Ann and, you know, ask her for a job. And, yeah. And uh, she hired me and, and we became great friends and I loved it. Uh, but then uh, I realized that, you know, when you're a DJ, you're alone in a room yep. and you're trying to make it sound like you're having a blast. <laughs> you and always got to be just after a while. It was like, I'm just not having a blast. Yeah. I'm in the room. We used to, you know, talk to the people out at the jet ski races at Zorba's, you know, on sure. Pine Lake or whatever and Pelican yep. and Detroit Lakes. And, yep. oh, we got, we got the guy out on the parasailer right now. We go live to the beach, you know, and all this stuff. And yet I'm sitting in a small room alone <laughs> dark probably. on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. You know, they're the ones out there having the fun. <laughs> yep. How many years did you do that for then? Th two. Two years. Two years. Yeah. And then actually it was kind of weird because I met Colin Peterson. Yeah. Uh, Congressman Peterson who was not, I don't think a congressman at that time he was running and Barbara Ann was handling all of his radio. So late at night he would come into the radio station and cut ads Sure. And I would be there and I, we just got to meet him, talk to him a little bit. And I thought, you know, this politic thing is pretty cool. Yeah. And so he was kind of my inspiration to get interested in politics, actually. Yes. And uh, I don't even, I've told him this, but I don't know if he remembers this. So um, uh, all these years later, I'm kind of synonymous with politics now. Sure. So was that kind of what brought you to St. Cloud was the transition from music DJing into politics? Talk yeah, radio, or yeah, how did the opportunity to come to St. Cloud? Couple steps in there, but I'll, I'll skip past them uh, and just go right to the fact that I, when I decided what I wanted to do, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to be a DJ anymore. Sure, I love DJs. DJs are cool. They're the coolest dudes, right? And <laughs> yep, gals, they yep. are so cool. I work with a ton of them. Yep, and they're so talented. The way they can maintain their enthusiasm and they're so good. I wasn't that good. And I just wasn't that into it as it turned out. So um, I decided that I wanted to go into talk radio. Sure. And but I didn't I didn't know anything about talk radio. Rush Limbaugh was just kind of getting his legs at that time. Yep. Joe Souchere in the cities. Jason Lewis. Yeah. Jesse Ventura had a morning show. Oh, really? In, in uh, Minneapolis with Barbara Carlson, uh, the old uh, wife or the ex-wife of the former governor, you know, yep. and a nutty gal. But I used to listen to them all the time and wanted to do that. And so I called some of my old friends from Brown and they helped me get a job in Detroit Lakes okay. as the news director. Because they said, you know, if you don't know anything about politics, really, 
uh, you can't really be a talk show host, but maybe you should go into news. You'll learn all that stuff, and then you can segue sure. into a talk show. So I talked him into hiring me in Detroit Lakes, and uh, that was a latent broadcasting station. Okay. And their corporate headquarters are in St. Cloud. So after about a year there, the, the president at that time, John Sawada, is like, you know, so uh, what do you want to do in your career? What's yep. your plan? Like, I want to be a talk show host. Sure. And so two years later, uh, we talked to each other, talked about it, and said, yep, let's bring you to St. Cloud. And they obviously and recognize your talent and passion to <laughs> elevate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? What, no, but no, so I had seriously. him buffaloed, whatever it was. <laughs> you know, I talked him into it. But. So what year would, What year did you migrate to? 2001. 2001. Yep, that would have been the spring of 2001. And Layton, they're all over, right? We, yeah, we're expanding. It's a okay. great company. And at, at broadcasting school back in the 80s, or I'm sorry, it was early 90s or circa 1990, 91, they all said if you can get a job at a Layton station, that's the best. Yeah. You know, and so what was it? Ten years later, I ended up finally getting a job at a Layton station. How many in Minnesota? How many different locations or well, yeah, we cities have, are we have in? stations in Grand Forks, okay. uh, Detroit Lakes, Purim. Yep. Uh, now Alexandria. Gotcha. Uh, Fergus Falls. Now we bought the station that I used to work at all oh, those really? years ago in Fergus Falls. Yep. So yep. we have Fergus, and several stations in all these markets. Uh, and then St. Cloud, of course, is our corporate hub and Winona. Okay. And we're always looking for more, they tell me. So do but you those are the important people. I'm just, I'm just a small <laughs> cog in the you big wheel. You just do your thing and yeah. stick to that. Um, interesting. That's fun to hear kind of a little bit of how you got derived here. What? Um, how did you find your voice in the political arena. Yeah. What, talk a little, maybe tell me a little bit about, cause you, you go to Washington DC, right? You, you're yep. very heavily invested and involved. How did you say, this is where my, I don't know if niche is the right word, but um, mm. area of expertise. Yeah. First of all, Brandon, you're a tremendous interviewer. So, uh, <laughs> you don't, you need no tips from me. I'll tell you that much. Oh, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm learning. So this is great. I'm learning. Uh, but yeah, no, the weirdest thing, uh, when I started as news director in Detroit Lakes, and I had a half-hour local show. It's called Hodgepodge. In fact, the show is still there. It started probably back in the 50s. Yep. Uh, it's a half-hour show. I think it was between 8.30 and 9 a.m. And it sure. was just a local show every day, Monday through Friday. You'd bring in, you know, somebody's having a festival or the hospital's doing a benefit. Yep. Or, or the, you know, the, the school superintendent each month would come in, the mayor, that kind of thing. And it was, if you think about it, okay, this would have been uh, 1998. Okay. The I started there about June 1st, approximately 1998. And might be before your time, but in, oh, no. in no. 1998, yep. uh, Norm Coleman yep. and Skip Humphrey yep. were the two candidates for governor. Yep. Arnie Carlson said, you know, I'm not running for re-election again. Term limited himself out. Yep. So it's going to be Norm Coleman, Skip Humphrey. And then this crazy Jesse, Jesse yep. Ventura decides, the guy that I was listening to on the morning show yep. in Minneapolis, decides he's going to run. Well, everybody wanted to come on local radio at that sure. time. Sure. Everyone so had I, an opinion. Uh, well, right? they're, But no, they're calling me. I mean, I was just, I was nobody, right? I, nobody knew me. I was totally yeah. anonymous. And all of a sudden, I'm getting calls from all these people that I'd heard of on Twin Cities Radio for years that are all running for office. And they all want to come into my studio and meet me and be on my show. And I'm mind blown. Well, this. I think the dynamic, I would have been a you know. senior in college in 98. And I, I remember that dynamic, what Jesse encapsulated, and you know this better than I is, people that had no interest in politics, yes. right? Were all of a sudden interested. Ugh. And that 
what you just described kind of spectacular eludes that. And Norm and Skip were boring the crap out of us. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I got right. to be, I really got to know Norm really well. Norm and I have become great friends over the years. Sure. Right? And that's a lasting friendship. Um, Skip, I don't know whatever happened to him, but, but yep. I spent some time with him. But they were in my studio all the time. And funny thing was, Jesse uh, was willing to come on my show anytime because he was polling oh, at 0.01%. Sure. And my bosses all said, why do you keep having that guy on the air? Like, because he's available. Yeah. They're like, well, okay, but uh, we're not sure you're making the right decision. Turns out he becomes the governor. So I'm just trying to process. You kind of planted your flag in the ground and it came to you. The phenomenon. It was a complete fluke. The, 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 if it, if I was started in 1999 or 97, right? I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. So 98 was the big year in Minnesota. So Jesse's looking for exposure. Yep. And you're... Everybody was. Yep. And so that dynamic, is he, does that relationship strengthen as he's becoming governor or when he becomes governor? Or do you totally. keep that? No, we, yes. In fact, I had a TV show in Detroit Lakes, uh, actually in West Central Minnesota, all up and down kind of the border yep. on Channel 3. It's out of Arvig out of Purim yep. uh, back in the day. And um, it was with a different company, but Layton has since brought, bought Channel 3 sure. years ago. But, sure. but I used to have the show called The Oxner Angle. And what I uh, once Jesse got elected, they invited me to his office yep. to do my show and be live on the air at his desk. One-on-one, -on -one, no scripts, no prearranged questions. And was this opportunity afforded to a lot of Nobody. people? Nobody. I was the Just only you. one. Wow. Yep, because we became great buddies, right, yep. and his staff and everything, yep. and they brought me in, and we just went one-on-one -on -one for a half hour with the cameras rolling. Uh, we simulcasted on our country station in uh, Detroit Lakes at that time yep. and on the AM KDLM in Detroit Lakes, yep. and it was uh, it was amazing, right? It was like, here we are, here I'm at Jesse's office in the governor's office yep. doing this. Um, absolutely mind-blown, and within two years, he uh, totally forgot who I was, didn't care anymore, hated all media. And uh, couldn't even get him to answer a phone any, call. Any idea where I don't he's think about? Even, I don't, if, I, if I told him my name now, he, he wouldn't went. even remember. Isn't he, <laughs> is he, any idea where he is? I mean, is he in the middle yeah, of Mexico, Mexico or something? Mexico, right, yeah. I think. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. That, that, that's been how many years now? Gosh, yeah. over 20 years. Think of that. It's crazy. I, I just remember old. the dynamic of, didn't his son like just throw ragers in the... Yeah. The house wasn't that the big controversy of all <laughs> yep, the yep. taxpayer dollars going to repair the house that yep. his college age kid was throwing <laughs> rangers in. I don't know why I thought of that. What but. a different era, huh? Yeah. Different time. Um, so fast forward to 2020 and kind of you're the obviously the first and foremost political guy and we're in election year and I don't want to get into politics too much. I you talked to Heidi. Makes one of us. Let's talk politics. <laughs> I am the ox after all. Well, we were talking to Heidi a little before this. You already got her all riled up talking politics. So <laughs> She started it, by She the did way. start okay, it. She did well, start it. So, right. uh, but what I find personally, um, just kind of watching from a distance is, from, and I'm curious to get your opinion on this, is, and I relate it to kind of my world in business, is I'm a firm believer in if you articulate and communicate, say and do what you believe, you will attract others that believe what you believe, right? And so there's so many typical, I say typical, but politicians that will say one thing to a certain group of people and say another, there's pandering to whoever they say. The two people to me that 
and I'm making no opinion on their political beliefs or anything, but Bernie Sanders and Trump, they are, relatively speaking, they say and do what they believe, and they attract people. Yep. Is that... Good call. Great observation. Versus, you know, other candidates, whether it's when Trump was going through the primaries with other Republicans and what's going on with the Democrats now, um, you see a little bit more of speaking to the audience more than... I mean, Bernie says what he says no matter who he's talking to. Same relatively to Trump, right? Um, And I just find that related to business. If you articulate what you believe in, you're not going to win the business of everybody, but you're going to create a loyalty to the people that believe what you believe. Yeah, well, it's finding your why, right? That whole thing. People will work harder for an idea or they'll work harder for somebody with an idea than just for a paycheck. Correct. Uh, That kind of thing. And that's absolutely true. It's uh, psychology. Yeah. And then the other dynamic is just the state of media. And I think those two candidates, again, just my perception, have been able to execute the current state of media um, in a way that a lot of other people haven't. Um, Mm -hmm. And I read something about the 2016 campaign, um, just Facebook marketing and campaigning, and the art, it was the- Who read in that one again? Who, who were those people again? Uh, uh, Hillary some, and... Some gal, I think, right? <laughs> um, but what was interesting to me was Facebook opened up basically a, a section to both parties, both campaigns. And one candidate took advantage of that and learned how, right. to, how to create advertising campaigns to an unprecedented level. And the other one didn't even show up and do that. And what you can do in today's media is it's one thing to blanket your message across all things. It's another one to say, give certain pieces of content to um, demographic data. So you have a single mom under 25, you're gonna tell them, you know, one- Know who you're talking to. And so in today's state of media, the ability to create content to every level of demographic information is unprecedented. And I think the opportunity, and I think different campaigns and different businesses take advantage of that in a way that never existed more than five, six years ago. No. Right? Yep. It's not a, it's, it's not a foreign concept, though. I mean, like you're saying, you know, we always thought that in the radio business, right? I mean, you're if you're spinning classic hits, you know who you're talking to. Yep. Right? If you're spinning top 40, you know who you're talking to. If you're doing political talk, you know who you're talking to. Uh, but now you can really tailor that with social media. Well, and what's interesting to me with social media is before... My first job out of college was creating campaigns for credit card companies based on demographic data. Oh, wow. Perfect. And so it was a company in the city's Dynamark. It was called a subsidiary of Fair Isaac, which is your FICO score, right? Okay. Uh, and what they did, the Chases, the U.S. banks, is they would offer different credit card opportunities to uh, based on your credit scores. And so you might get a lower credit card rate. And if you remember 15 plus years ago, we all got inundated with credit card opportunities or mailings in your mail, junk mail. And then that transformed into email campaigns. Um, And it it was all based on segmentation, based on uh, demographic data. Now with social media, you have the ability to segment based on your behavior. 
right? So social because everybody's media, listening. Social we media know knows what, what you're talking about. Social all the media time. knows what you're doing, right? Yes, they do. I mean, if you go if you go to your app and Facebook, it ranks you as your political affiliation. It ranks you on your income because it knows your behavior. And so to be able to campaign to that uh, from a business standpoint, from a nonprofit, I think. It's amazing, those opportunities. Yeah, well, that's certainly the future. It's the now. It's the yep. now and the future, no question. Uh, what is your take on how radio, we're doing a podcast here, how radio is evolving into the segment? And we were talking a little bit with that with Heidi, and she yeah. still listens. And it's just people, there's still the attention there, but how it's just in a different medium, right? Yeah, there's a lot to it now, for sure. And um, one of the things... The, if you look back in history, when VCRs, right, when when the whole movie thing, yeah, right, that's it for movie theaters. Right? VCRs were coming out. It's like, well, boy, people are just going to be no money in movie theaters anymore. You know, movie theater popcorn and the whole experience is going to be something lost a generation from now. Turns out, right, movies are more popular than ever. People go to the movies, even yes. though we all have home theaters, right, VCRs, and now whatever stuff we have, right. Yep. No more of those, but right. We can watch any movie we want at home. We have giant screen TVs, surround sound, all that. Yet we're still spending a fortune going to the theaters. Kind of a similar analogy, maybe for radio. Yep. Uh, you have, and it's funny. I talked to a lot of young people. Yep. Uh, like in Washington D.C., you mentioned I spent a lot of time in Washington, and I talked to a lot of these young people that are working for various organizations or senators or think tanks. You know that yep. kind of thing. And they're all big on the whole podcast thing. They're big on the social media deal. And I remind them that, you know, radio stations are still spending a fortune putting up towers, upgrading their transmitters. Yeah. You know, latent broadcasting is committed, doing like almost state-of-the-art stuff. And again, these are people that get paid a lot more than I do and sure. they know a lot more than I do. But what I see is yep. our company investing in our terrestrial signals. Yep. Amazingly so. At the same time, we are investing tremendously in digital. Yep. So there's, it's not just terrestrial, it's all this digital, but it's not just digital because a lot of people that work on the digital side, right? And the Facebook and, you know, targeting all yep. the stuff that you're talking about, yep. forget that really there's this whole backbone of terrestrial radio that we're also investing in and stations are doing it all over the country. So it's not that it's being replaced by all of these, you know, phone apps and all that stuff. It's just being augmented. Yep. And I think my perception is to create, and I talk about this here, is creating a brand where like you're recognizable and there's a reason people will listen. Or if it's a morning show or a DJ, there's gotta be some relationship or a little bit of familiarity, right? And a reason why you listen to the Ox or a reason why you listen to yeah. you know, the morning country show or something like that, rather than, and it gets back to just not being a commodity. You, right? you become, the listener's friend. And that's one of the things that you learn is that people are tuning in to hear their friend, the ox. Yep. People are tuning in to hear their friend, you know, on the morning shows and whatever they, they, they become friends with these people. And it's funny when I, you know, I'll meet people and they'll know me so well and I'll feel so bad. <laughs> I've never seen them before. Right. I don't know you. I'm right. sorry. You right. know, they're talking to me like we're buddies and I love that. Right. And that's the way radio is. And uh, one of the things then that I always tell guests like, just understand, you know, you're on the show and you're, you're on the show because of what you know and all that stuff. But people are listening because they want to listen to their friend, the ox. Yeah. So the better friend you can be to the ox, yep. the more we all win here. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize that. You always know the good guests 
when at the end they always say, Ox, great being on your show. Thank, you know, yep. because they're bonding with the listeners then and solidifying everything they said. And that's an important thing. Well, in, in your arena, you're providing access to the politicians, to the um, people in the races that you're not going to get. They're going to have conversations because they've got a relationship with you that they may not give on a podcast or something digital, yep. right? It can be more of a connection, which creates more of a friendship relationship with your listeners, it's, right? It's really interesting. There are some people, it's so funny because I do, I pride myself on getting out there, right? I yep. go out and I meet these people. I go to where they are. I go yep. to St. Paul. I go to Washington, D.C. all the time. Right? I'm yep. there three, four times a year. St. Paul, same way. Sure. Um, you know, I know these people. I go to where they I go to their meetings. I, you know, I get, we get to know each other. Yep. And sometimes when they come on the air, they, they stiffen up, you know, and they go into this, oh, I'm on the radio now mode. It's like, no, 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 just relax. Just remember the other night, you know, we were spending time and you were talking to me about this stuff. Come on, yeah, let's yeah. rekindle that. Yeah. Most people will will do that and they'll loosen up. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun to see some of the people that just will not do it. Just try to break it out of them. What, uh, putting you on the spot a little bit, but tell me maybe top one or two interviews, uh, stories from a recognizable mm. guest, not necessarily a politician. What is just one of those... Um, interviews where you're like, I'm going to remember this, or this was really engaging. Um, anything come to the top of your mind? Yeah, probably three. And this is a weird thing to say. Uh, one of them was the worst interview I've ever done. Yeah? Ever. Yeah? I was pretty new at KNSI. Okay. Lou Ferrigno was coming to town. Lou Ferrigno Hulk? He was the Hulk. Yeah. Right? Lou yeah. Ferrigno was coming to town yeah. to open what was then Gold's Gym. Okay. That uh, the, Where the tennis bubble is now. I think it's Stay Fit, right? In yep. Sartell. There what year would have this been? 2000? Uh, uh, Early? Two yeah, 2002, maybe. Okay. 2001, yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe my first year at KNSI. And uh, and I interviewed him, and, and it was the worst interview ever. And I got hate uh, emails and calls, right, from yeah. listeners. Yeah. Ox, you dumb ox, you idiot. That was the worst interview I've ever heard. And Lou gave me nothing. Yeah. He didn't hear very well. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's hearing, he's yeah. almost deaf. So it was just a brutal interview. So I'll never forget that interview, and it was just terrible. Uh, but then one of the coolest interviews was uh, Vice President Dick Cheney. Okay. And I got to interview him, and that was really cool. Um, just the, and we were very... While he was Vice President? Yep, we were very um, uh, conversational. It yeah. was cool. We talked about school lunches. He hates green jello. When he was in, in, in uh, school, he hated green jello with the shaved carrots in it. Right? Interesting. Just hated that. So you got to that level of just... Yeah. Detail. And that's the kind of stuff that I love, right? Yep. So we talked about that. Um, and then probably really the neatest thing that, that and this is going to sound goofy, but over the years, John Bolton has been so accessible to me and to media. The singer. No, John Bolton, the... Um, Michael Bolton, I'm thinking. Uh, yep, John Bolton, the former ambassador, former national security advisor. He's been, that name's been in the news now. The guy that, that the Democrats all want to testify. Sure, and, and he's sure. got a new book coming out now and all okay. that. Um but no, he is he has been amazing. Uh, you know, first name basis sees me, says hello. I'll make time for Yox. Just give me a second. Uh, you know, when I'm in Washington at some of these events and all that stuff. And so to have him be so uh, accommodating, accommodating and 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 open and available. Yeah. All these years with his huge prominence. Yeah. Uh, just been amazing to see a guy like that just be willing to just be in the trenches with these talk show hosts. And really get to know the audience and, sure. and have them get to know him, which I think is why he's maintained his popularity. Yep. Now, you know, the whole Trump thing has driven us all crazy one way or another. But right. 
I don't know that I'll see him. I'm in Washington in a couple of weeks. Uh, normally, I would see him at this event, but uh, I don't think I'll see him this he time. He might be laying lower. Probably not invited to this one this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really a great guy, and nobody would know that. Yeah. When you go to Washington or when you go to the Capitol, do you find um, different people are more, hey, Ox, how's it going? And other people are more reserved, want to keep to themselves. I mean, some people are more accessible. Some people are more willing to cut yeah. open a vein or... Yeah, some suppose, some are more hammy than others. Yeah, yeah, some are more chummy than others. No question. Um, and you just build relationships, and the people that are willing to confide in you are the ones you kind of build on, right? Yeah, and that's a great question. What comes first, right? Do we first start hanging out, right after after hours, and you know, and having drinks or whatever it is, yeah. or or does it start in the business side of things and and morph into that? Yeah. I I don't really know. I gotta say though, I gotta give a shout out. Uh, Dave Kleiss yeah. uh, was one of the key players in getting me involved in politics when I first moved here. Sure. Then Senator Kleiss. Yeah. Uh, and Dave was like, "Hey, man, you ever want to come to the Capitol? You know, we'll we'll do a show. I'll, I'll get you a room. We'll I'll bring in all my senator buddies and and so we started doing that. And that's really how I met a lot of the people at the Capitol was through him. Interesting. Yeah. And and by then, see, then he was a radical senator. Really? Right. He wanted, he didn't like, he, he he was looking at term limits. He didn't like that people were there for 20, 30 years. Uh, and now, lo and behold, he ends up being the longest serving mayor in St. Cloud <laughs> and he's running for re-election. How long has he been mayor? Yeah, great question. Ever since? Well, it would have been, uh, let's see, 2005 is when he got elected. Okay. Uh, so 2006 is when he would have taken sure. office. Yeah. Sure. Great mayor, by the way. Good friend. Yeah. Um, but he's been there a really long time. And the Dave Kleist that I first met uh, years before that would say, it's time to go. Funny. Do you remind him of that or no? No, no. I <laughs> and I support his re-election. Yeah. Him, so. Um, so tell me, what do you got going now? Ox in the afternoon. What time? KNSI? Yep. Two to five. Weekdays, two to five. And uh, one of the neat things that I do is called Outside the Box with the Ox, which is a 90-second feature okay. where I tell a story. Uh, there's something in the news, and then I, I, I talk about the headline, I kind of make a point about it, and then I give an outside-the-box observation on it. It's yep. 90 seconds long, runs Monday through Friday. There's a new one every day, Okay. and it's airing in multiple of our latent broadcasting markets throughout the state. Cool. Uh, so it airs several times a day on KNSI in St. Cloud, AM 1450, FM 99.3, KNSI. Uh, and it's, that's really a fun feature. I've been doing that now for, oh boy six, seven, eight years. Sure. And that's kind of a fun deal. So I love doing that. But yeah, two to five, Monday through Friday, we interview politicians. We go to Washington a lot. We go to St. Paul a lot and um, been doing it since 2001. I suppose this is like an accountant getting ready for spring tax time. The next six months are your wheelhouse. Oh. Yeah, we'll be at the conventions. We'll be in Milwaukee. You yep. know, we'll be in Charlotte uh, for the DNC and the RNC. And Do you get we, fired up? I mean, is it kind of just the season? Is it yeah. Get excited? Yes and no. It's fatiguing. Yeah. You know, it does get fatiguing. Now that we're counting, it's so much better now that we had Iowa and New Hampshire. Yeah. Polling data just gets so monotonous. Oh, yeah. Uh, so now we're actually counting votes. Uh, yeah, I'm ramping up. Cool. Well, Ox, thank you so much for coming out. I know uh, I appreciate you, you didn't know what you're kind of getting into here. We set up oh, some man, cameras and gorgeous. So I appreciate you taking me. I love your offices. Thank here. you. I appreciate Stone it. Path Shopping Center in Sartell. That's right. Uh, right. 
you mentioned that you used to be in the real estate industry and had this listed. I which used to I did list not, this. I yeah. did not even know that. I tried to so. rent this space a hundred times. Yeah. Yep. I had Dairy Queens looking at it. Family Video was looking at it. You know, video stores and all that. Interesting. And, and uh, finally, I just realized that, you know, it's probably, I was as good at real estate as I was at basketball and <laughs> hockey. And I was working for a championship team at yep. that time. Yep. But uh, Well, cool. Well, thanks for coming out. Uh, KNSI Three to five? Two to five. Two to five. Monday through Friday. Ox in the afternoon. Check them out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brandon. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to us. If you really liked hearing the link, please subscribe below, and I look forward to you joining us next time.